Don't you love hearing something in another language like that, knowing that millions of people uh, that speak Tagalog, that's as, as familiar to them as English is to us, and, and they have the Word of God in their own language. Yeah, I, I praise the Lord. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their efforts. If either of them falls, his companion can lift him up. But pity the one who falls without another to lift him up. Also, if two lie down together, they can keep warm. But how can one person alone keep warm? And if someone overpowers one person, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. I think that perhaps Paul might have had that on his mind when he wrote the words in uh, Philippians 4, uh, verses 10 through 20, because um, he knew he was an apostle, <laughs> but he knew that he could not do it alone. He knew that two are better than one, and if two are better than one, 200 are better than one also. And uh, whatever helpers he could get, he was very grateful to have them. And that's what we have in this passage. And the partnership with Paul and for us was productive, I'll say, of at least five things. And they're all found in verses 10 through 20. And there's one plus thing that's not found there, but it's uh, super important. He says in verse 1, this is praise and joy before God. In verse 10, I mean, he says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have re revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me but you had no opportunity. Paul is very happy. Paul thanks the Lord that something has been revived in these Philippians. And the reason he's happy is because he has a real false need and, and he doesn't have many places to look for it to be fulfilled. He wants to keep right on preaching the gospel. He, he, he wants to travel. He wants to plant churches. He, he wants to fellowship with other believers. He wants to do all these things because uh, he's a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he thanks the Lord. He praises the Lord he exalts in the Lord. And this is what the Philippians wanted him to do. He doesn't thank them. He tells them what it does to him before the Lord. And that's far better than someone saying, thank you for your contribution. As, as meaningful as that may be, it, 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 it is far better if someone says, I praise God. God, for what you have done, <laughs> for what you have enabled me to do because you made this contribution. N notice that it says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. It says greatly. It was not a small thing. It produced a lot of rejoicing in him because he, he could praise and thank God 
uh, for that generosity. And Paul knew that it was really from the Lord because it was the Lord, he says, that revived their hearts and that they did not have opportunity. And, and it, it could be due to challenges in uh, communications. They didn't have uh, quite, uh, quite the battery power of cell phones like we have now, and, and, and they, couldn't, they couldn't text as often as they wanted to. Whatever the cause may have been, they didn't have what we have here. They didn't have the Internet. And it could be that they simply just did not n know about it. But at, but at the same time, it's also possible that when Epaphroditus came earlier in, in, in chapter 2 and, and verse 25, that, uh, and, 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 he, and he brought resources to him, uh, perhaps they had run out. But, but, but this is for sure. When he writes to the Corinthians and he says concerning their giving he says this you will be in, enriched uh, this is 1 Corinthians 9 a wonderful passage you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God glory to God praise to God this service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people but it is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God isn't that wonderful God receives thanks for the way Heritage Baptist Church uses your tithes and offerings the Lord receives thanks from other people, from in other places, uh, from the mash offering. The Lord is glorified when people give uh, their earnings, a portion of their earnings in faith. You can be sure that there is thanksgiving, overflowing thanksgiving. That's what Paul says uh, to God. Isn't, that's, that's absolutely wonderful. Well, in the second place, then, we notice that this giving uh, produced a perseverance both for Paul and for uh, the Philippians. If, if, if you'll notice verses 11 uh, through uh, 13, here's um, what we read. He says, not that I am speaking of being in need. He's persevering. For I have learned, he says, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Contentment is not something that we naturally have. It's something that we have to learn. And Paul says, I've learned it. I've learned it. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, he says. That's a broad brush, isn't it? It's a wide, broad brush. I don't think I'm there. I know I'm not there. 
But he says, I've learned the secret, the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. What is that secret? It is the secret of knowing that through Jesus, he says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. That's the context of doing all things. It's not being able to leap buildings in a single bound. It's not winning the football game. It's not doing all kinds of things that seem impossible. It is contentment. It is knowing the secret, the secret which is Christ Jesus that allows him to face temptations in need and also in plenty. We think there's no temptation in plenty. We think it's only in need. We might be tempted to steal. We might be tempted to complain. We might be tempted uh, 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 to do other things. But in plenty, I got no complaints. So I'm content. No. Plenty is the greater danger. Because plenty makes you trust in provisions. It makes you trust in things. It makes you trust in your money. It makes you trust in your good job. It makes it trust in your strength. It makes you trust in your health. And you're not trusting in God. But when you have a need, when something goes wrong, and when you are sick, and you call upon the name of the Lord, that's a good place to be. <laughs> that's where you want to be. And when you're in need, and you have a felt need, and it hurts, and you don't know how it's, it's going to be fulfilled, and you take it to the Lord, that's, that's a good place to be. That's where Paul was. That's where he went. That's what he had. When your heart is broken, <laughs> and you can't get past it, and you long for something and you can't have it and you don't have it yet you take it to the Lord that's the secret go to Jesus he'll heal you he'll bless you he'll show you himself that's the best thing of, of, uh, of being in need that's a good thing but you notice that the Philippians also uh, persevered they it says in verse uh, 15, he says to them, And you Philippians also know that from the beginning of the gospel, that is the early days, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my need once and again, several times. You sent it. You continued to help. You did it all by yourself. You did it when nobody else was helping. You, you did something that nobody else was doing, but, 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 but you kept it up. You kept doing this partnership in giving and receiving. And you didn't do it this once, and you didn't do it for a short time. You did it uh, uh, from the early days up until now, and you did it several times. You did it once again and again. Others may have had uh, uh, one relationship with Paul just receiving from him because uh, he could preach. He had the word of God and, and he was in a small number of
of servants of the Lord that were doing that at that time. But he says, uh, you were different uh, from the ones that just want to receive. I'm glad to be received. It's a blessing to be received. It's a blessing to know that, that this, is, this is a beautiful sight. I, I've said this in Spanish before, too. It, it's just, there's, there's not much better beautiful sight on earth to have a room full of people sitting there listening to the Word of God. It is a beautiful sight. It's like when you stand at, at, at the Lord's table uh, uh, that we have once a month in the evenings and you look down that table, you see all those believing Christians. It's beautiful. It's beautiful to see their faces and see their love for Jesus and they want to remember him and their hearts are breaking. It's, it's absolutely wonderful. They persevered and, con and, and continued continu consistently uh, supporting him uh, from Macedonia and to just down the road. It was about 100 miles away, three days' journey, also in uh, uh, Thessalonica. So two things so far. A partnership in giving uh, produces praise, and it produces perseverance. The third thing that it produces is profit. It's profit to them. Look at verse 17. What does it say? It says, not that I seek the gifts. That's not, that's not really what I'm seeking. I'm glad to receive whatever you want to do, but I'm not seeking it. But I seek the fruit that increases to your righteousness. I want to see the fruit I want to see the generosity and the sacrifice and the giving of your resources. I want to see fruitfulness in your life. That's what he's saying. That's fruitful. He says, uh, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the profit that is increasing to your account. But I have received everything in full. I have an abundance. I am fully supplied. That's, that's, this is what the Holman Christian Standard Bible, the, the uh, 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 study Bible says. It's, it's their comment. Using financial terms, Paul declared this profit accrued from an action. That is the action of giving. Increasing is the interest it would bear to the account of the, of the Philippian believers. Giving a physical act is a spiritual transaction. We're going to prove that later even more. But it is a spiritual transaction even though it is a material thing. This was a gospel investment. Sinners were being saved and churches were being planted. Disciple-making movements were being started and continuing. Heaven's residents were increasing all things that flow out of a Christian's life. More delight, more joy, more trust, more holiness was being displayed because of that investment. Because Paul was 
was adequately supported in, in order to do it. Praise the Lord. There's also a promise then, number four. We have seen praise, we've seen perseverance, we've seen profit. Now promise. Look at, uh, be shocked, be stunned, if you can, by what it says in verse 18. It says, But I have received everything in full. I have an abundance. I am fully supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you provided. Look what he says. A fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. Paul says, I promise you something. That what you're giving, what you've been giving, is like it's a it's it's a it's like a fragrant offering. It's like what they had in in the Old Testament. It's like when Aaron and his sons were ordained to the priesthood in, in Exodus twenty nine, eighteen and burn the whole ram on the offer on the altar it is a burnt offering it, it was a female goat for the unintentional sinner it is a burnt offering to the lord a pleasing aroma a food offering to the lord and then when you see that um even noah in in Genesis 4.20, after the flood, he built an altar and he had a burnt offering. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man. And what's really shocking, at least to me, in Ephesians 5.2, the same words are used. It says, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. A fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Giving is akin to, I'm not saying it's equal to, I'm just saying it's put in the same category as the burnt offerings of the Old Testament. It's put in the same category with the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. It is a spiritual transaction. And if you think about that when you're giving, when you're tithing, because we use tithes for missions efforts, we use a lot of it for that. Praise the Lord. And when you give to MASH, which is used exclusively uh, for missions and nothing else, you're conducting a spiritual transaction with God a fragrant offering pleasing to the Lord a pleasing aroma rises up to God that's magnificent that changes me changes the way I think about things when I see something like that well we then come to the highest purpose what is the highest purpose of all of this well, you see what he said. Well, don't let me 
skip over the other promise. I don't have it written down, but I, I can't help but say it. It says, And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ. You won't be a loser. The giver is the winner. The giver is the receiver. The giver is the one who is richly supplied. Everybody that's doing that, everybody that's doing that at Heritage Baptist Church knows what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. You give generously. You give sacrificially. You give to everything. You tithe. You do stuff like that. And you know, you know what I'm talking about. You are still supplied. You're not a loser. You're not hurting on account of it. You're doing okay, and God keeps supplying you. Keeps giving you. You know that. But the purpose, number five, the purpose, the fifth point, he says, to our God and Father, be glory forever and ever. That's, that's what it's all about is sinners getting saved. That's the highest glory. There's no better glory, as wonderful as creation is, as, as wonderful as music and the arts and architecture are, as beautiful as all of them are, there is nothing. There is nothing like a sinner being saved. There is nothing like our God. He says, I spread out my hands all day long. I spread out my hands all day long to a rebellious people who walk in a path that is not good, following their own thoughts. That is Isaiah 65 too. That's the kind of God we have. We have a God with arms out like this. And, what, and what's he saying? Come, just come. He has done everything that is needed. <laughs> Something that we would never think of, that we would never conceive of, that could never be invented by men, that could never be imagined. God sends his son. He sends the son of God to take human form and work out that perfect righteousness for us to obey God in everything, to humble himself, even to the point of death on a cross. And then he, he, he's the only one that can make that payment. Nobody else even claims to. Does Buddha claim to? Does Allah claim to pay for sins? Who? Who can do that? It's shocking. The sinners in hell right now, the sinners in hell right now are in hell for all eternity. They can never pay for their sins. What has Christ done for us? What, because of the majesty of his person and the intensity of that suffering, he has paid for what sinners in hell cannot pay for for all eternity. He's paid it for us. Can you get your mind around that? There's only one Savior. He's the only one. 
but the cross is more than just comfort. It's also a warning. Can I have that first slide? This is what Spurgeon says. Uh, Spurgeon says, the most terrible warning to an impenitent, impenitent men in all the world is the death of Christ. I, I never thought of this in my life. For if God spared not his own son on whom was laid imputed sin, will he spare sinners whose sins are their own? He didn't spare Jesus. He didn't spare his own son. Lost sinner, do you expect to be spared? In Ezekiel, God says, Cast away from you all your transgressions that you have committed. Make for yourselves a new heart and a new spirit! Exclamation point. Why will you die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the Lord. So turn and live. That's our God. He does not take pleasure in it. He wants us to turn and live. He wants you to turn and live. Here's an obscure passage. I, 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 I don't care. For the Lord will rise up as on Mount Perazim. This is Isaiah 28, 21. It just was in my heart. In the valley of Gibeon, he will be roused to his deed. Strange is his deed to do his work. Alien is his work. They're talking about judgment. God says that for him, judgment is his strange work. He says it's alien. It's not something that my heart is in. I'll tell you something, though. In the last judgment, oh, when it comes, his heart will be in it. Because in that day, he will separate the sheep from the goats. He will come with clouds in mighty power, the blast of a trumpet. And he will bring all those with him who, has gone, who have already gone to be with him. The dead Christ will rise, will rise forth first. Ted Christman will rise first. My pastor, he will rise first. And when he comes, that judgment will be pure and holy. And we will not disagree with anything of that he does. There'll be some surprises of those who were saved. There'll be no disappointments. Nobody will be sad in that day ex ex except those that are lost forever. That's, it's, just, it's just so beautiful. For the glory of God, to the praise and glory of his grace, according to his kindness, he has predestined us to adoption as sons and daughters. That is tremendous. Well, our time is going. There's one more then that's, that's not in the text, 
I'll, I'll, I'll bet you can guess what it is. It starts with a P, too. We've had, we've had praise. We've had perseverance. We've had profit. We've had purpose. What must it be? Prayer. That's what it's got to be. And I, 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 I've only got two verses uh, uh, to support this. This comes from Paul. He says, I appeal to you. I urge you, brothers. I appeal to you. I urge you by the Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers on my behalf. This is Paul the Apostle. This is Paul who, who has been the object of, of a miraculous, unparalleled conversion. A persecutor of, of the church becomes an apostle. He has worked miracles himself. He has had tremendous success where he's gone, planting churches in, in different cities. He's going to Rome. He wanted to go to Spain. I wonder if he could habla español o no. Porque ellos no hablaban español en, en, en ese tiempo. Who knows what they were speaking in Spain. But Latin maybe. But anyway. All of this. All of all his, his tremendous work. He's writing epistles. And what's he want? What does he, what, what does he need? <laughs> he says, strive together with me in your prayers on my behalf. Wow. Our missionaries need prayer, don't they? <laughs> if Paul needed prayer, our missionaries need them. And missionaries all over the world need them. I like this verse. He says, uh, it's out of the Psalms. He says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. That's what he says. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. Samuel Zwemer, the apostle to Islam, he says, um, every missionary agrees with this. And if you've got a mission's heart, you'll agree right away if you haven't ever heard the quote. He says, the history of missions is the history of, of answered prayer. That's what it is. The history of missions is the is a history of people praying for missions, in mission, during mission, and they get answered. That's what missions is all about. It's giving and it's praying. It's asking things of God. Can I have the next slide, please? This is this is a slide that tells us uh, what what you lost sinner I'll come back to you 
What shall it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his soul? <laughs> and we settle for so much less. Nobody gets the whole world. The whole world is already owned by Christ. You can't have the whole world. You can get big chunks of it, but, but people settle for far less. For what? For what? What can a man give in exchange for his soul? Won't you take Jesus? <laughs> Won't you take Jesus today? Won't you own him for yourself? Won't you take him? He says, come. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. And I'll give you rest. And you say, I'm not heavy laden. Get laden. Get the burden. Ask the Spirit to convict you of sin. You're a great sinner. I'm a greater one. And it'll drive you to Christ. If you can ever determine that you're on your way to hell and destruction, you'll call upon the name of the Lord and tell Him that He owes you nothing. And He's got to save you or you'll be lost forever. You'll have a prayer like that. That's what I want you to do. That's what you've got to do. So beautiful. The history of missions is the history of answered prayer. Can I have the next slide, please? This is, this is the best life right there you're looking at. Everybody wants love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Who doesn't want love? This is the best life. This is it. Who doesn't want to be happy and, and rejoicing? Who doesn't want peace? Oh, I just, I just want some peace. Who doesn't want that? This is the fruit of the Spirit. You become a Christian, and He'll produce this in you. We all know something of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. We all we have some of it. We have some of that. That's the best life. Tell me a better life. Tell me what's better than this. There's nothing better Tell me what it is. If, if, if you can tell me a better life than I've got now as a Christian, I'll take it. But you can't do it. You cannot convince me of anything else. God is so good, so wonderful, so magnificent, so fantastic, fabulous God. That's what we've got. I need to stop. I want to praise God for one more thing, though. A little bit of um, a little bit of missiology. It's called the E scale, and it's the evangelism scale. It's the challenges to evangelism. E one means that there's evangelism going on in the context of just different church cultures. That's where we live here in the, in the United States. That's an E1 missionary. You speak the language, uh, you know the customs and the culture, you, you, you'll be welcomed uh, by your appearance, you, you're okay. And E2 is in a cross-cultural cross environment, but different but different. This is what Michael Imadi and Ashley are. 
They're E2 missionaries. Ireland is not the United States. They have a different culture. They have different customs. They have a different accent when they speak English. It's different. They have a different climate. They, they've got other things going on. It's not radically different. It's just different. And they wear similar clothes and stuff like that, but, but, but there, are, there are differences. He's an E2 missionary. He's working in a place where he is viewed as, as a foreigner, but, but not that foreign. An E3, an E3 missionary is in a very different culture. A different language, there's different dress, there's a radically uh, a different worldview. That's who Duane and Kimberly are. They're in Serbia. It's a whole different world there, I'm told. I've never been there. But Pastor Mark can tell you about it and others that have been there. But North Africa, where HD and JJ are, dangerously different. It's Islam, E3 missionary. A great challenge. Which is the most powerful missionary? What is the most successful missionary? What is the most effective a missionary? What is it? It's it's E1. E1 is what our missionaries are trying to produce. E1 is the indigenous missionary. That's who you are, that's who I am. You are the most powerful missionary right here in Owensboro, Davis County. That's, that's who we are, E1. That's who Dwayne Baldwin is trying to train those seminarians. They had eight graduates, hallelujah, <laughs> to be indigenous missionaries to their own country, E1 missionaries. That's what HG... HD and JJ want to do. They want to plant a church in that city in North Africa and have this radically different world minister to itself with E1 missionaries. That's, we got to have the other ones, but E1 is what we are and what we want. We want more and more of those. Well, there's other things that I'd like to say, but just in, uh, just to close, just remember prayer also uh, along with giving. There's a prayer meeting every Wednesday at 6.15. Everybody is welcome. It is sweet as it can be. Just like Pastor Sad said, we pray for missionaries there too. There's, um, there's a prayer meeting on Thursdays at 6.30 a.m. It's a small one, but it's very effective. It's a joy to come. It meets in Pastor Sad's office, 6.30 a.m. on Thursdays. Sundays, today, at 8.30, there was a prayer meeting in Pastor Thad's office 
Six people came. It was marvelous. Pouring out their hearts for this service, for these Sunday school classes, for lost children, for whatever is in their heart. One of the ladies prayed for our president. Boy, it just, just broke me down. <laughs> Lifting up the president of the United States. Open your mouth wide. I'll fill it. That's what she did. These are wonderful things that are happening. There's also a noonday prayer meeting once a month in the nursery with just the ladies. I don't know how many come. I bet they want more. Not that more is better. It's just more. More is, more is better for me. It may not be better for God. He, he's not constrained. E Elijah was one man. And the fervent, effectual prayer of, of, of a righteous man accomplished much, much. The skies were closed up, and the rain came down later. In one man. I, I understand that. But what if multitudes cried out to God? What would he do then? He, he's doing all kinds of wonderful things. Let's just pray. God, we thank you so much for this passage of Scripture that shows us how to partner with our missionaries. We thank you for each one of them. What you have done, but what you can do for others, uh, for Arab world missions, for open doors, for Voice of the Martyrs, for the IMB, for all of them, God, you can do so much more. I had slides up, I had slides for those two, and I forgot to do it, but um, we can still promote it. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for all your help to us and all that we see in the beauty of Christ, who is the reason for everything. We pray in his name. Amen. Let's stand and respond.